This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Monday, September 11th, 2023. I am John Podhoritz, the editor of Commentary Magazine. With me, as always, executive editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Media commentary columnist Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And Washington commentary columnist Matthew Continetti. Hi, Matt. Hi, John. Two very interesting things are happening outside of Washington one in uh, Albuquerque or Santa Fe, I guess Albuquerque, I'm sorry. And then one in a uh, circuit court, uh, the finding in a, in a, in the, um, I'm sorry, I can't Fifth remember which court. Fifth Circuit out of New Orleans. Fifth Circuit out of New Orleans in a First Amendment case. In Albuquerque, we have the governor of New Mexico suspending the second amendment and in and in new orleans we have a three-judge panel upholding a finding uh on july 4th that the biden administration and various departments of the biden administration sought to suppress free speech in uh attempting to restrict quote misinformation unquote on social media platforms so we got a we got a war against the First Amendment out of the White House, and we have a war on the Second Amendment out of Albuquerque, and it, it is not a good look. I just want to read to you guys from the article in the New York Times on the Fifth Circuit panel's finding in this case. A federal appeals court ruled on Friday that the Biden administration most likely overstepped the First Amendment. Overstepped the First Amendment. Did you know that there were steps crushed up under to its the boot? First you can yes. crush it under its boot. Yes. By urging, by urging the major social media platforms to remove misleading or false content about the COVID nineteen pandemic. First of all, the finding isn't that they urged the major social media platforms. In fact. They found that some of the departments in the federal government may have urged the social media platforms to do things, but that those departments should not be uh, found liable for their actions because they were only urging. They found in the case of the Surgeon General's office, the uh, FBI and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, that they did more than urge. So this article is astoundingly misleading and let's just go on the ruling by a three-judge panel of the u.s court of appeals for the fifth circuit in new orleans was another twist in a first amendment case that has challenged the government's ability to combat false and misleading narratives about the pandemic voting rights and other issues that spread on social media so let us now 
consider that the New York Times' lead article on an appeals court finding that the White House and the Justice Department and the Surgeon General and the Centers for Disease Control were actively suppressing the speech of ordinary Americans in their incestuous relations with social media platforms. And this is considered a challenge to the government's ability to combat false and misleading narratives. What on earth is going on here? The only cynical interpretation I can have of this is that the New York Times so hates social media platforms that they are perfectly happy to have the government stick its jackboot in the face of a social media platform, thus leaving them alone to have the First Amendment in their pocket. Otherwise, I cannot fathom a world, a journalistic world in which the the leading newspaper in the United States is actively, implicitly supporting the suppression of the speech of American individuals. Am I taking crazy pills? No, no. And we knew, I mean, anyone who followed the release of the Twitter files, remember those? Remember the Twitter files, which mainstream media also tried to uh, debunk and and uh, uh, tut away and say, oh, these are people who, who have an axe to grind. Um, there had there had been suspicions among a lot of people for a long time that this was happening. It was difficult to prove. Twitter files offered some evidence of what had been going on. The attorneys general in states like Missouri, who brought this case, and in many others, knew this was happening, and so brought these cases to shed some light on what was happening. And the idea that this tension between the idea that the federal government should control what is and is not true, what is and is not information, if it's misinformation or disinformation, and to, and to do so as if they are protecting Americans from succumbing to their own ignorance by reading it. That's what the First Amendment is supposed to do, is to say, you know what? If people are going to be suckered by something they read online, that's their right as Americans to do. The government does not have a right to come in and suppress people's speech. And this is very, very important. It's a really good ruling. This is, you know, this is a conservative circuit court. I mean, we're these judges in, in the Fifth Circuit are, are largely conservative. Um but there's going to be more of this coming out, in uh, in my opinion. I think we'll see more cases like this. Um, now that Elon Musk owns Twitter, now X, um, he hasn't been revealing as much of this as before. But we it, go back. I would encourage our listeners who didn't follow the Twitter files cases when they came out over the uh, earlier in the summer, late spring, to go back and reread some of the subsects that our friend Barry Weiss and others uh, did about what what Twitter in particular, but also Facebook and other social media platforms were doing to suppress information. Yeah, I just want to say, Christine's point is the central one. It's the most important one. Um, government cannot do that, doesn't have the right to do that. But there's another point here, which is a little bit more political, which is that the, the administration was doing this in part to suppress valid information to suppress th and, to, and things that it didn't want getting out there not because they would they they were clear examples of misinformation or disinformation that would hurt people um uh we're talking about um valid challenges to uh popularly held notions about the pandemic and 
vaccinations and and COVID origins um, and things relating to, say, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop. Um, so it was doing any of it um, uh, is a kind of perversion uh, given given our 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 rights in this country. Um, but um, it was also um, completely manipulative and underhanded and 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 partisan and political. Um, I think it's a, a major decision. When we had these debates over content moderation a couple of years ago, we were talking about, well, the platforms are independent, you know, and of course um, they uh, have to host all points of view, um, but it's, re- it's really up to them. And what we've seen with the Twitter files, but especially in the discovery that's come out of this case, is that, well, it's doesn't seem like it's really up to the social media platforms. It's really the government working with the social media platforms in order to silence alternative viewpoints. And and it's as Abe says, it's not just um, the government saying, well, uh, you know, someone out there is spreading crazy theories about the um, uh, the vaccine. Uh, there, there is some of that. But of course, that would fall under free speech anyway. But it's and it also stuff about the origins of the vaccine of the of COVID. Just read a little bit from um, uh, Philip Hamburger's uh, op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. Hamburger's the law professor who's really taken the lead uh, on this case and others, trying to expose how the government has been working with the major tech platforms. Um, he says, uh, "Let me see here." Um, oh, at the government's behest, Facebook adopted a policy of removing posts discussing the lab leak theory. This is the theory that COVID came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. In July 2021, uh, Mr. Clegg, that'd be Nick Clegg, the former British politician who's now high up in Meta, emailed his colleagues to find out, quote, why we were removing rather than demoting labeling claims that COVID is man-made, close quote. The company's vice president in charge of content policy responded that, quote, we were under pressure from the administration and others to do more and continued with regret. We shouldn't have done that. Oops, right? (laughs) We shouldn't have done that. And now when they're writing these emails, the public didn't know they had done this. So these these lawsuits, I think, should continue and continue to be successful and, and maybe... Uh, begin um, some uh, process of accountability. Well, and it should be noted in this lawsuit in particular, the judges did uh, scale back some of the original injunction. They they pointed to example for the Department of Health and Human Services and other agencies that had initially been included in that um, lower court's injunction and said, you know, we looked at the evidence. This They were not doing this bad, you know, trouncing on the First Amendment, but these other agencies and these other arms of the Biden administration were. So it's important to note they actually looked very carefully at what was happening and they narrowed that initial initial ruling. Okay, so I want to go back to the New York Times story because there is the elision of what the government is has done compared to what the government has done in the past is really startling. And it represents an act of misinformation worse than most of the acts of misinformation that are supposedly uh, being challenged by this government social media cabal. Here's what Stephen Lee Myers writes. Government officials have long argued that they do not have the authority to order posts or entire accounts removed from platforms which private 
companies control. They have worked with the tech giants, however, to take action against illegal or harmful material, especially in cases involving child sexual abuse, human trafficking, and other criminal activity. That has also included regular meetings to share information on the Islamic State and other terrorist groups. The Islamic State is not does not composed of American citizens with First Amendment rights. People who engage in child sex trafficking and child sexual abuse do not have First Amendment rights that shield them from exposure of their criminal behavior. Criminality is not protected by the First Amendment. Expressing opinions is protected by the First Amendment. Absolutely. I mean, you cannot supposedly yell fire in a crowded theater. Or can you? That is actually not entirely adjudicable. And what happened here was the idea that because we were in an unprecedented health emergency, and this will now, this will connect to what we talk about later in relation to New Mexico, that um, ordinary rules of American civic life are suspended just as they might be suspended in wartime. So in wartime, free speech rights are can be somewhat abridged if there is a formal declaration of war because, because the security of every individual American, the, the life of every individual American is potentially at stake. And therefore, there are competing balances of interest. But in a situation in which uh, 1% or less of the population actually would contract the virus that was so dangerous, and tiny percentage of those people would actually not only get sick, but might actually get seriously sick and might um, transmit the disease to others, does not rise to the level of the government having the obligation to interfere with the language, the clear language of the First Amendment that says, government shall make no law abridging freedom of speech. Now, they're not making a law, but they're going to Twitter and Facebook and saying, you know, we've got a nice business here. We may just suspend Section 230 of the Internet, whatever act it is, so that uh, you're going to be in big trouble, buddy. So you better play ball with us or, you know, we're going to come after you. It doesn't matter, by the way, that they don't have the power. The, the executive branch doesn't have the power to suspend a provision in law. They would have to advocate for its removal or, you know, overthrowing by the by the Congress. This was going on and liberal institutions and the body, bulk, overwhelming majority of people in America's mainstream institutions actively supported the idea that Dr. Jay Bhattacharya or Alex Berenson or uh, Tom Cotton or others who expressed views, Scott Atlas, expressed views that were not consonant with the conventional wisdom that had developed with absolutely no 
hard scientific evidence to support the conventional wisdom. Since for a while it was we should wash our groceries. For a while it was it was okay to close down restaurants or like if if it was okay for restaurants to have 25% of their patrons have have um you know like have uh what would you call it? occupancy at 25%. But if it was 26% then they would have to close down whatever. This was the madness that we were living in. And um and it also of course the real horror of it is of course supported the political and ideological priors of the government in power and that's scary that's why we have a first amendment so that they can't do that and uh the judge the original said that called it the most massive attack against free speech in united states history and the appeals court did not challenge the language that he used in their decision. And it sounds hyperbolic. But is it? I mean, I know the Alien and Sedition Acts were a terrible challenge, but of course that was what? Three or four years, four, five years into the, into the existence of the Bill of Rights? Well, what's funny about that New York Times article you were just reading from is how it it implies that uh, folks like Jay Bhattacharya are like ISIS. <laughs> you know, their opinions are at the same level. They are that dangerous, Matt. They, they right, that dangerous. They're that dangerous. Their government needs to step in and work with these major tech platforms to censor them. And I, I, I keep coming back to this. This is the government's problem. The government should not have been involved in this because the views that they were censoring were opposed to the government line, to Fauci's line, to the public health uh, officials line. And uh, that uh, that is insidious. It's not it's not if it's if you're having uh, the editors of The New York Times sitting around and saying, which op ed piece are we going to run today? Well, we're not going to run Alex Berenson's piece because he's a kook. This is the government coming in and saying, "You're not, you're not running, you're not Take running." His countdown, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And not only are you not running Alex Berenson's piece, uh, you're actually going to deplatform him, <laughs> so he has no way of communicating. That is what is so scary about the revelations of we've seen from this lawsuit. And and the timing of this couldn't be worse for the Biden administration with regard to people thinking back to what happened during the pandemic we have this little you know this new variant and you know there've been there's been a little flurry of oh is it is it bad should we mask up again but it actually has prompted both the the media and people in general to remember what happened particularly with schools you know schools just started kids are going back to school there've been a bunch of articles about oh they never did fix the hvac system isn't this terrible they're all going to get covid again but recall that there was th- this has also reminded people of the absolutely horrific g- collusion that went on between the teachers union and the biden administration and how negotiations that should have been about what was best for this nation's children and what they needed and whether they could safely be in classrooms and in person with their teachers which we now know they should have been and could have been 
That was, again, to Abe's earlier point about the politics, that was a purely political decision on the part of the Biden administration, whose number one donor in the last election was the teachers unions. And Randy Weingarten was one of the first visitors to Biden's White House after he was sworn in. And and that reminder, plus this lawsuit, is not great for Democrats when they start to talk about how they are looking ahead and doing good things for the country. People have not entirely forgotten what happened before. And, you know, there's a there's another aspect of this that that interests me. Uh, populists who have been complaining about this kind of thing, take note. We got this decision. The system is actually not ultimately broken. Um, Your complaints, your outrage is valid. Your defeatism, however, um, is undercut by things like this. Um, This is the avenue for recourse and it still works. I am, as I often say, 62 years old. And I grew up at a time when when civil libertarianism was the religion of the Democratic Party. And I use that term advisedly. Near First Amendment absolutism was a given for Democrats. It was Democrats who had a fit when the wife of a conservative-leaning Democratic senator in 1987 complained about the dirty lyrics of a Prince album that she bought for her daughter. That, of course, was Tipper Gore. Frank Zappa went before a House or a Senate committee, I don't remember which, and abused and abased Tipper Gore for her babbitry and unconstitutional hatred of artistic free expression. That was the norm. That was the norm in the United States 40 years ago. And just as now, we have the ACLU opposing <coughs> speech when it supposedly doesn't conform with the ideas behind trans ideology. And just as we have the committee for lawyers committee for civil rights under law quoted in Stephen Lee Meyer's own piece, an organization set up at the behest of John F. Kennedy to pursue civil rights legislation and civil voting rights legislation and things involving the civil liberties of uh, somewhat oppressed people, that they are supporting government intervention into speech, individual private speech. I'm not even talking about corporate speech. I'm not talking about, you know, I don't, I'm talking about a guy with a laptop writing 140 or 280 characters about how he doesn't want to be vaccinated or saying, you know, there are some stuff, you know, there I'm hearing that males between 15 and 30, this vaccine may not be great for their hearts. And then it turns out two years later that that first anecdotal idea about a potential issue involving the mRNA vaccine 
and myocardial infarctions in young men was not a myth. I mean, it's a tiny effect, and it's perfectly it's perfectly within the bounds of sort of statistical analysis to say that it would be better for such people to get the vaccine because the risk of actual heart trouble is so low and the desire to have some kind of herd immunity was so high. But we're talking about a world in which there is there are apologia being written for for government agencies to work with private companies to suppress the spe- free speech of american citizens i mean i can't be- it's hard to believe and it's hard to believe that they defended it and that they're still thinking of pursuing avenues of defense Although they didn't defend it, because if I read correctly, they stipulated that the arguments being made by the two attorneys general, Eric Schmidt of of Missouri, and I, I, I'm afraid I can't remember the other, was it Louisiana or Alabama? I can't remember, the attorney general of another state, that the facts that they presented in their case, the government did not argue with. They stipulated to the accuracy of the specific claims in the suit, they just said that they didn't coerce. They were only just kind of, you know, recommending or something like that. Because as I say, you know, when, you know, when when the mafia walks into your store and says, you got a nice store here, it'd be a pity if something were to happen to it. They're just recommending paying off, paying, you know, protection money. They're not actually threatening or anything. Um. All right, let, let's let let's take a break. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Okay, so what happened in the free speech case happened as a result of COVID and the emergency powers that the government believed it could arrogate to itself uh, in that time. And we now have an emergency adduced in the state of New Mexico, or specifically in the city of Albuquerque, by the governor of New Mexico, Michelle Lujan Grisham. Matt, can you tell us what happened? Sure, I'll just um, go off uh, the New York Times article by uh, Colby Edmonds. Um, So Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham of New Mexico, a a Democrat, announced a 30-day ban on carrying firearms in public areas or state property in Albuquerque, and its county, a move that the governor said was a necessary response to gun violence in the region, but that critics denounced as unconstitutional. That's the lead of the New York Times story. Uh, Grissom announced it on Friday. Um, the uh, order covers the county, Bernalillo County, 
uh, prohibits open and concealed firearms on state property, public schools, or public parks, with exceptions only for law enforcement and licensed security guards. Um, residents with gun permits can still have weapons on private property. And that's really, <laughs> that's reassuring. While traveling with a gun, a person must transport it in a way that makes a fireman firearm inoperable, and those who violate the order can be subject to fines up to $5,000. What's spurring this, John, is that there's been a recent uh, spate of shootings uh, terrible ones in um, New Mexico, uh, including most recently um, an 11 year old who was killed uh, outside a minor league baseball stadium just this week. And uh, the governor is using these incidents uh, to um, make this uh, declaration. Now, what's fa- fascinating to me is it's unclear whether any of these high profile shootings that have caused such alarm. Uh, were the result of the open carry or um, concealed carry regulations she's stripping away. Um, also, to me, it's interesting that the you know the the reflex here set aside all the legal challenges based on the you know the individual right to carry arms <clears throat> uh, uh, that the Supreme Court has uh, said is in the Constitution and and. It is in the Constitution and the Second Amendment. Um, the reflex of Democrats like Luan Grissom, when you're confronted with with uh, rise in violence, isn't to say we need to crack down on uh, lawlessness, right? It's rather to actually erode the rule of law further by declaring a state of emergency and affecting uh, and, uh, populations who aren't responsible for the breakdown of law and order at all. Um, can we just go to the fact that last year the Supreme Court ruled in precisely a matter contiguous to this involving laws or regulations or something in New York State about gun carrying? and said that New York State could not do what it was doing. So not only is the court affirmed that you have a Second Amendment right, they have actually spoken in the last 12 months on this matter. And Luan Grisham says, it's an emergency. So I get to do whatever I want to by saying it's a public health emergency so and, not only by the way yeah go ahead i was gonna say and on this she actually has the backing of organizations such as the american public health association which which issued a whole thing about how uh, gun violence is a public health emergency and we we discussed this a bit when we were in the midst of the pandemic and we were talking about how you know the the idea of never let a crisis go to waste was causing all kinds of overreach both at the municipal and state level but also at the federal level with these agencies but one of the most pernicious uh, uh effects of this was to turn everything into a public health crisis. So you think about these organizations that have, you know, for years tried to have, you know, public campaigns to raise awareness, do this or that, but it never really had much of an impact on policy. Suddenly they look around and they're like, if you just put public health in emergency in front of anything you want to do, the public is so sort of scared and anxious and concerned and the federal government now kind of rolling ahead with a lot of their use of power that 
maybe we'll get a little bit of what we want. And so this during the pandemic, during the BLM summer, there was a lot of talk about racism as a public health issue. So there were all kinds of efforts at, at the local and state level to sort of use that broad brush to to pursue things that uh, under the under the aegis of public health that actually used to be about civil rights and, and uh, individual rights. So this is this is something that's been building for a while. Um, but I would note the reaction of a lot of Democratic activists to this, which was she clearly overstepped. You have David Hogg and other sort of well-known anti-gun uh, rights activists children? immediately saying, "Well-known anti-gun children." Yeah, David Hogg, <laughs> right, what is basically. He, yeah, I think he's in college. He's, now. he's an adult. He's, now. he's an adult. Now. He's okay, an adult. He's an adult so he's now. responsible for himself. Congratulations. Now. He, he's yeah. even he said he's he tends to hyperbole, which is why why John is is sounding a little cynical about Mr. Hogg. But he even said, oh, 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 maybe we should just, you know, walk this back a little bit. And several well-known anti-gun activists on the Democratic left were like, this is a bridge too far. So that at least provoked a reaction um, that that. For me, again, to Abe's point about sometimes the system works, this went a little too far, even for people who otherwise would like the outcome of, you know, national gun seizures, for example. I mean, you know, I just want to say I think there's there are two understandings, two emergencies uh, in the minds of some of these people here that justify these things. And this this certainly applies um, to to the first issue we were discussing about um social media platforms and supposed misinformation and disinformation. Um, one is, oh, yes, oh, my God, there's a public health emergency. Whatever is whatever is necessary, we must we must do. Um, the other is the Trump freakout, the political emergency, um, which which has signaled to a whole class of Democrats and liberal activists um, that we have to go, that it is warranted and necessary to go outside the traditional bounds of our politics and perhaps of our constitution um, to fight this man who is a threat to our politics and our constitution. Um, and, you know, I think I think without him, I don't even know that the pandemic would have been enough um, for this uh, emergency fever to, to catch on. Okay, but I think, and I think it's certainly true that the emergency fever caught the minute that he won the election in 2016, and particularly the emergency fever relating to social media and how it played some kind of a incredibly pernicious role controlled by the Russians to get Trump elected through Cambridge Analytica, this preposterous theory about brainwashing through Facebook that, you know, really took Tens of millions of people believed it. Much of the liberal elite in the United States took it at face value that, you know, scrolling past a pro-Trump post, uh, you know, in your Facebook feed while you were looking at somebody's cat videos was enough to make you vote for the guy um, and all of that. So that that really was a predicate to what happened here, at least and certainly with the Biden administration leaning on social media companies the way that they did. But we got to go back. We have to go back to Obama and what Obama did rhetorically, the, the Pandora's box he opened when Republicans took control of the House and then particularly when they had control of the House and the Senate. And he said, we can't wait. We can't wait for legislation to pass. We can't wait for the good 
ordinary workings of divided government to find consensus that we can all agree on. I have a phone and a pen, and I'm going to do whatever I have to do to do the right thing. And then, having said that he did not have the power to legalize the Dreamers and the people under DACA, he then announced that he did, and he unilaterally did. And then once again, the system worked in the sense that courts struck it down and struck down other unconstitutional efforts by the Obama administration in its second term. But Trump's assaults on the Constitution, Trump's language about the Constitution, that we have to go beyond the Constitution, or, you know, you can't steal an election, so we may have to suspend the Constitution because they're stealing the election, all of that. I don't think that rhetoric would have existed absent Obama breaching some kind of blood-brain barrier relating to how we talk about ordinary working order. And the Constitution was not bridgeable. The idea that you could do you could do something patently unconstitutional because it was right, and then maybe some court, you'd have some Hail Mary, and some court would say, yeah, go ahead. That was not something that people did until 2013. And now we got we got uh, we have a governor of New Mexico saying I don't think the constitution applies to my state. By the way the, the gun owners okay. gun owners rallied in Albuquerque today often with many of them displaying their weapons and the police did not enforce her order nobody was arrested nobody was shot nobody right. you know they they demonstrated but, peacefully. Uh, but also John to your point the the president now does it. He 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 says I don't think I constitutionally have 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 the right to um to um uh terminate these uh student loan uh, uh agreements but I'll give it a shot. Yeah. I mean let's I'll, give it a try. I'll try to violate the constitution if they yeah. think and if they say no they say no. I mean look it has always been the case that people have pursued novel legal novel strategies with the idea that the courts would sort it out. They really wouldn't do it if, like, their office of legal counsel said, I'm sorry, that's patently unconstitutional. You do not have the authority under our Constitution. You cannot make legislation. You cannot write legislation from the Oval Office. You can regulate the behavior of the executive branch. That's what executive actions are. You are the head of the executive branch. You're a co-equal power of Congress. And you can regulate the behavior and the actions of the of of your departments while upholding the oath that you took to preserve protect and defend the constitution which obliges you to not for example make orders that your unconstitutional orders that your underlings should are then supposed to carry out well i think that just demonstrates that upholding the constitution is not at the forefront of these figures minds right they have uh other priorities uh whether it's biden trying to uh get the youth vote excited about him uh through the student loans or obama trying to um have a political payoff by uh uh the expanding the daca program uh for <clears throat> the children of uh, illegal migrants um or here, Luhan, clearly just unable to cogitate how to approach the problem 
of gun violence in Albuquerque. And so saying, oh, uh, for 30 days, you can't carry any weapons in public. I've declared it. And I just, the the idiocy of this policy, and quite frankly, of, of her, is stunning. Because she says in, in, in the press conference, she goes, you know, we'll make adjustments, and I intend to make Albuquerque the safest place in America. It's a tall order, and I am on it. You know how you make places safe, Governor? You put criminals in prison. But we this- did it. We did it. We, it's, we only have to go back 30 years. We did it. It works. And you put them in prison by finding that they're carrying illegal firearms. So you don't, this- you don't just tell everyone that your constitutional rights are null. You go after the criminals. <laughs> but that is that seems to be uh, a, an idea that cannot penetrate her mind. But this is it's interesting, though, because what she's using is very similar reasoning to what I think uh, the people who call you know racism a public health emergency, what what uh, the Obama, uh, sorry, what the Biden administration was using to try to censor people's free speech rights during the pandemic. It's fear based. It's a kind of fear based reasoning. It's saying we want to control the risk that you might be exposed to a gun death, to covid, to this or to that. And that has generally been very effective for politicians. And this is the flip side of the uh, uh, trust crisis, I think, that that Abe has written so well about, is that it's actually a good thing that people don't trust it when the government uses that technique now, that they sort of say, you know, I'm not sure that they really do have our best interest at heart. And are we really at risk? And that skepticism, that healthy skepticism when channeled into a good lawsuit or, you know, the the absolute uh, uh, the fun and mockery that the current governor of uh, New Mexico is is experiencing that's a healthy democracy that's what we're supposed to be able to do as as people um that it, what worries me though is that 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 fear-based reasoning i mean it's extremely popular on the on the populist right right now trump knows exactly how to push the buttons of that and um because of the erosion of trust how we rebuild um that healthy skepticism versus that pessimism that we've talked about a lot is 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 what what i think going forward is going to be a major challenge i do want to uh, make a point about the right just quickly to kind of uh, uh, piggyback on what Abe was saying earlier. I mean, it used to be uh, uh, if Democrats, you know, uh, or liberals had a, you know, a view of the Constitution as a living document, or suggested that we lived in a kind of social emergency, we have to do something. It doesn't matter whether it's constitutional. We did have conservatives and constitutionalists and boring old Republicans interested in, you know, fiscal sobriety and tax cuts. Those were the uh, sexy Republicans. You know, I don't know what you're old, talking about. Uh, those old zombie Reaganites, they were there to say, hey, we have this thing. It's the Constitution. Oldest living, uh, so to speak, written Constitution in the world. Um, let's abide by that. Let's, let's recognize that our republic is based on individual rights and the government exists to secure those rights, not to s- solve these crises that seem to proliferate uh, whenever the media decides it. Now, uh, we th- that identity uh, of, of, the con- of conservatives is, uh, you know, contested. And there is a whole other group of people on the right who want to say, well, don't you know what time it is? And if what they what they mean that by that is it's time to junk the whole thing that the left has become so all powerful and also uh, so corruptive and corrupting that we need to just overthrow this regime. And that is what makes our moment truly scary in my eyes, which yeah. is that the people who would normally say, you know, Governor Luhan, th- this is such a dumb idea. 
and you're completely overstepping your bounds. And let's just try to solve this problem through the rule of law and democratic processes. We're, we are a, uh, it seems to me anyway, a, a minority, <laughs> at least as represented in the public discourse. It, it is scary because what the new right defeatists don't realize, or they do realize, some of them undoubtedly do realize, is that there is a reckoning for all these things. We see it in in the in the in the court ruling on on the the the, the Biden uh, free speech case here. Um, when you decide that um, there is no avenue for redress, there is no recourse within the system. You will forfeit the ability for there to be a reckoning. There will there will no longer be a reckoning if both sides give up on the only system that actually works slower than we'd like to address these wrongs. That is that is such a deep point. And I just want to go back to the to the observation that because we said this at the time people like us said this at the time obama broke something open when he did the we can't wait i have a pen and a phone and i am going to legalize the i'm going to legalize the daca uh people and the dreamers that was a new thing in american politics that happened it may not have seemed like a new, it may not in retrospect seem like it was the crossing of a Rubicon, or as I said, some kind of breaching of the blood brain barrier, which is a bizarre image. I apologize for repeating it. Um, but at the time, there was a kind of, you know, you, you, you go there and you can't go back because it's so tempting. It's so tempting for every elected politician to start playing footsie with these ideas. You get Andrew Cuomo when you start playing footsie with these ideas. You get Trump saying, go, you know, go beat up those protesters. You get all kinds of behavior that was not only out of bounds, but probably like wouldn't even have occurred to most of the people who were managing American public life. And now it's just all open season. You can say anything. You can propose anything. You can say, you know, what 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 would be a conservative version of what Lujan Grisham said here? How about, you know, I mean, I don't even know. I can't really quite come up with something. But there's something, Matt. Get, I'll just, just let me just call Marjorie Taylor Greene. She'll hand me something in two seconds. Well, Trump, Pat, you know, has has truthed that yeah. the Constitution be should be suspended, should be suspended, and the yeah. election nullified, and he should be in office t- right now. Yeah, as we as we speak. He, so yeah. he has said it. Now he doesn't. It doesn't say it often, but that's what he believes. So that's a version of this. That's the oh. that's the penultimate version of it. Totally. Um, but I'm just saying, like, I assume that Luhan Grisham. So now the question is, is she going to benefit from this? Okay, Christine is shaking her head because Ted Lieu, Congressman of California, 
said she had overstepped her bounds. And Jared Polis, I believe, governor of Colorado, said she had overstepped her bounds. And other, you know, Democrats are saying, that's not not so good. But um, so gun groups are going to take it to court on Monday or Tuesday. They're, uh, I presume, will get a pretty fast injunction. And then she'll start fundraising off it. And then, you know, she's now, she'll be famous by the end of the week for being somebody who was willing to stand up to the gun lobby. I don't know. Um, is that, uh, that's my... I, I don't think so with her. Okay. I mean, she, she, no doubt she will raise some money off of it. That is, that is unfortunately how our system works these days. You know, say something insane and, you know, the money pours in. But I, I think that because she made this explicitly constitutional, I still believe that there are plenty of people on the Democratic left who still respect and and believe that our Constitution is an important document that we should all follow. It's it, it and you know what? There's still lots of all the sexy Republicans, Matt, on the right who still believe that too. Um, I I think if she again if she'd done this as a public health emergency thing, I I could see this having longer a longer tail. But in this case, no, you don't attack the Constitution of this country without pissing off a lot of people on both sides, and that is all for the good. She just won re-election last year, so it's hard to see what political calculus there is in this decision. I think it's a completely emotional decision uh, a, and a, a decision that she reached by asking herself, what can I do? What can I do? And because she's a liberal, she never thinks about, oh, maybe we enforce the rule of law. Maybe all of those you know, marijuana billboards that I saw on my visit to Albuquerque earlier this year, maybe they should revise their drug policy in the state of New Mexico. Maybe I just want, you know, listeners of this podcast have known about what's brewing in New Mexico from some time because of my visit there and how, (laughs) how happy I was to leave. The Cassandra of Albuquerque. (laughs) I just want you to know, you all heard it here first that Albuquerque, there's something wrong there and she is not the person to address it. And she's so, uh, that that's the tragedy to me is that the um the the the, t- the tested ways of approaching public policy problems are just junked because of this desire to take emotionally fulfilling stances that have no actual consequences my my concern and this is you know I, I hate when i have to say things like this was that yeah, I'm very glad that the protests to this have, have been uh, peaceful and and um, non-explosive so far. I think the potential for them not to stay that way here is enormous. Um, when you have uh, the the executive of a state um, saying there for an emergency reason, you will now be stripped of your right to carry arms there are a lot of people in this country or about a lot but enough that exact circumstance to them is go time like that is that is a really really bad Par- paranoia plus thing. poor trigger discipline is yeah. not a good combination yeah. yes agree uh, you're 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 right i mean i she in, in some sense they're all sort of depending on them all being you know not 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 meaning what they say uh and it's not just not mean what they say because they're all crazy and they'll go shoot people up um she is trampling on their rights now there exactly. is going to be recourse 
there will be recourse. But we now have governments actively trampling on people's Bill of Rights rights. You know, this isn't just like you can't pick your feet in Poughkeepsie. You know, like, I'm arresting you because you're picking your feet in Poughkeepsie. Fine. Like, crazy laws, cops enforced to play games. That's a reference to the French Connection, if you don't get it. Um, so there, that's a whole thing. And it's a tradition in American public life. But, you know, you don't go at constitutional rights so easily. That's not that's that's not the way we do business in the United States. It just isn't. And the last 10 years, things are going in a bad direction. And politicians who do this are not getting punished for doing it. And in some cases, they're getting rewarded. And that's really scary because that it's not banana. It's something else. It is. It's banana republic is what people are always u- using when they say you know people are being banana split or something. I mean, we need a new I, sort I, of. I don't even know what it is. End of the Roman Empire. I don't know what it is. It's end of it's end of an era. It's end of the American experiment if it isn't somehow halted in its tracks. If everything is always up for grabs, if the first and second second amendment fine very con- if the first amendment is up for grabs. And the Second Amendment, as interpreted by the Supreme Court pretty unambiguously over the last decade, is up for grabs. You know, you know, we it's just very, it's very frightening. All right, let's take another break. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Christine Rosen, you are up with this week's first commentary recommends. Yes, I actually, uh, we were all sort of uh, bickering a little bit before we started taping about who who had the hot potato. And I realized it's 9-11, it's the anniversary of 9-11. And so I actually want to recommend something I saw years ago, but that many people, I think, overlook if they come to Washington, D.C. and they visit memorials and monuments. And that's the Pentagon Memorial Um uh, the memorial on the Pentagon grounds to the people who died, uh, I believe it's about 184, 183 or 84 people who died uh, when a flight crashed into the Pentagon. Um, the memorial itself is very low key for you um, trivia buffs. It's also the only place on Pentagon grounds where you're actually allowed to take a photograph. I wouldn't recommend you photograph a memorial in general. That's not really not a big fan of that. Um, but it's it's very, very low key, has some beautiful trees planted, but there's a bench for every person who died, uh, both inside the Pentagon grounds, people who were on the ground, as well as the people on the plane. 
And uh, each bench is is organized uh, by age of the victims. The youngest was three. I think the oldest was a man in his 70s. And if they were at the Pentagon, their name is carved facing the Pentagon. If they were on the plane, it's facing upwards towards the sky. And it's just uh, these benches have lights. And then if it was a members of family, there's little pools that show the family. It's very moving. It's very calm and quiet. Um, but it's it's a memorial that I think often gets overlooked. And I think people often forget that there were victims at the Pentagon that day. I lived in D.C. at the time on Capitol Hill and saw the Pentagon burning from the window of my apartment. Um, so if you lived in D.C., it was obviously very, very... Uh, very much a, a part of that horrific day, uh, but it often does get uh, overlooked. It's So it's across the river at the Pentagon grounds, the Pentagon Memorial. And I would encourage people who, who come to D.C. if you have a chance for visiting Arlington Cemetery, for example, or you're in that area to go stop by and, and spend a few moments uh, commemorating those victims of 9-11. Or Abe, Christine and Madam John Pugwartz, keep the candle burning. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.